Super Friends, welcome back to this Get Your Comic Con podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the rest of Titan's first season. We are starting with episode 7, which is called Asylum. The synopsis for this episode says, Rachel's birth mother is alive. In a desperate attempt to rescue her, the group breaks into the asylum where she is kept. Have a little listen to the trailer. Your birth mother is still alive. My mom's alive. They're holding her at some asylum. We've got the girl. I don't want to kill either of them. Don't hurt her. That depends on you. Hello, Mr. Grayson. Increase his dosage. The risk stopping his heart. Yes. What do you want from me? To help you. So that you and your father can be reunited. This time, Rachel's birth mother is alive. In a desperate attempt to rescue her, the group breaks into the asylum where she is kept. So I gave this episode an 8 out of 10, and my verdict was that Asylum is another cracking episode of Titans. It's an episode which includes a lot of growing up for the four leads. Whilst it recalls some of the heavy action of earlier episodes, it shows true growth in both character and story. It's funny reading back what I wrote at the time as well, because obviously I wrote this the minute that we watched it, um, and I haven't often gone back and reread my little verdicts on each of the episodes. But yeah, this was an amazing one. I do remember thinking, though, when they released the episode titles, that Asylum might have meant Arkham. So I was a bit disappointed that we didn't go to Arkham Asylum, but I'll, you know, I'll take any Asylum in the DC Universe. So we got some really heavy moments in this one. There's another fight scene with Dick, which calls back to the pilot when he gets a little bit carried away with himself. We get the burning of the Robin costume, which is pretty exciting. That's a major step towards Nightwing. We also do get some good bonding between the characters, but really heavy episode for Gar. I felt really bad for Gar watching this episode. The reaction to when he mauls that throwaway scientist to death is is pretty scary for him. Highlight moments for you? So just picking up from what you said from episode six, you know, have they reached rock bottom? Yes, at this point they have. Do you think all of them have reached rock bottom or just Dick? So I think they've all reached rock bottom because if you think back, so look at Rachel. So in episode six, Dr. Adamson slits his throat, she heals him, but in this episode, he pushes her by showing her them all being tortured, yes, and she takes she it back. takes it back. So he's left sort of in a pool of blood, reopening his wound. Gar is being tortured, and then he mauls the throwaway scientist, like a very classic Star Trek red shirt moment. Yes, yes. We've got Corey, so she's been sort of drained of all her energy, and then they try to eviscerate her, vivisection her, and then at the end she blows up the entire asylum and kills everybody inside. And then there's Dick as well, who, you know, goes through all this mental torture, really beats the living daylights out of those guards at the end with that broken off pole. Yeah. And then, you know, ultimately it was his decision to say, Corey, let's blow this place. Yeah, I was kind of surprised she went with him on that one. I thought she might have stood up for, well, not stood up for them, but kind of stood up to him and said, no, we're not going to do that. But she really allows that place to get blown sky high and kill everyone. But then you would do if you've just spent, you know, however however much time being cut open. True, yeah. I suppose it's not exactly been the easiest episode for her like it has been for anyone. And in theory, this is the place where they make the nuclear family as well. So what else do they do there that we haven't yeah, seen? Because it was a big point. Problem. We don't really get to understand much of what's going on in the asylum other than what we get to see at face value. Little Jeff Johns makes an appearance in this episode again. We do love Little Jeff. So we get a bit more of... Well, it's not even Dick's backstory. He gets to interact with himself as a kid while he's hallucinating in this one. But then we get to see the Batcave as well, which is very exciting. This was the first time we got to see the Batcave and the Batmobile. We got to see just a tiny little smidge of the Batmobile in this episode, which was very cool. So we're still circling Batman without seeing him. And it still doesn't bother me because I still think that he would completely overshadow the whole series, which he doesn't because he's in the background there. Do not like the Bat logo on the computers, though. Oh, because it looks like a Bat, but it looks like a Wayne W as well. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's a hallucination, so maybe it's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Graphic design department. A little bit more work on that one, but well done on the Batmobile. How do you feel about him burning the suit? I think it's very symbolic, because you think, you know, he fought himself, his younger self. So, like, old Dick fighting young Robin Dick. Little Jeff. Little Jeff, sorry. And then, you know, we've we've reached his darkest point of blowing up the building. And... It's definitely the darkest point. I really only thought of it as the darkest point for Dick, but 
I can get what you mean, that it is for all of them as well. We also get to meet Rachel's mum in this episode, which is a huge fangirl moment for me because she's played by Rachel Nichols from your favourite show, Continuum. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but you you remember her from season five of Alias. She was the um, she was the spy that was part of the conspiracy. No, you're looking at me like you don't remember this. So remember the beginning of the final season of Alias, there was another version of like SD6 who thought they were the good guys but were the bad guys. Oh, yeah. She was the computer genius that was basically Sydney from the pilot. I'm with you. She then became a main character for the rest of that final season, so that when Jennifer Garner was pregnant, someone could still go out and do the action scenes. So it was very cool to see her turn up in this episode, although I did ultimately guess that she would be evil. Well, it was all too easy, wasn't it? There are not that many moments in Titans that are really easy to guess, but that was one of them. It doesn't fall into many clichés, but that... that I mean, she was in there for, What did she say in this episode? She was in there for 14 years? How old is Rachel? She's 14, 15, right? Yeah. So she says she's been in that asylum for well more than a decade. You can't... You don't just come out of that completely normal. You have to come out of that situation at least a little bit wrong. Yeah, it was, just, it was a little bit too easy. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, we got to see some really good stuff. So we got to see a real shift in character development for all of them. It's true. And it the burden of the Robin suit as well. So that's a real change of what's next. Nightwing. <laughs> not yet. You've not earned it yet. I did, I'm just looking back at my review and I did say that Titan feels as though it's beginning to shift towards his endgame at this point. We still haven't seen Rachel's dad. He hasn't even had his name mentioned. I don't think we do mention his name until right at the end. Very end, yeah. So Trigon's not even been mentioned, but... I did say that I felt like this was a step in the right direction for the whole show. Um, <laughs> I did very fortuitously say that I'm beginning to feel like the season may be building towards a ridiculously huge cliffhanger. Don't be surprised if the final episode ends with the reveal of a villain yet to be faced, but with the team fully formed and ready for action. Ah, I was half right. Mm. I was half right. Very intuitive. Very intuitive. <laughs> well, not really, because I was still half wrong. But we're half right, though. We'll take that. <laughs> Thanks. So, Asylum, episode 7 of Titans, was an 8 out of 10 for me. Dare I even ask how many thumbs up this one was for you at this point? Oh, we'll give it a 1 again. We'll go back to 1. It was good, but you know, it wasn't sort of Robin fanboy good. Okay. <laughs> Very good. On to episode 8, which is called Donna Troy. Synopsis for this episode is that Corey's memories are beginning to return. Rachel bonds with her mother, and Dick seeks out an old friend for guidance. This is like the end of the team? Technically, we were never really a team. Oh, we were a team. I'll see you all again sometime. I quit. Oh, I've missed you, boy wonder. You mind if I hang at your place a while? Stay as long as you need. As long as you still got game. This alphabet has been lost for centuries. Can you translate that? It's definitely a mission statement for your friend who's referred to as Starfire. Her mission is to... So I gave this episode a 6 out of 10, which is a bit of a random... I feel that's a bit weird now, looking back at it. I'm shocked. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so my verdict for the episode was that Donna Troy is yet another solid entry in Titans' first season. It doesn't quite hold up against previous episode Asylum, but does help round out the Titans' world and add some further context to the series. Hmm. Clearly I was feeling a little bit down on Titans at this point. You've got another Jeff Johns flashback at the beginning. Sorry, little Jeff Johns flashback at the beginning, which name drops Diana. You get to, you get Justice League name dropped as well. So Diana and Bruce are discussing Justice League business. So that was a proper on-the-edge-of-your-seat fangirl moment for DC Comics fans. Um, I liked Donna's character, and I liked seeing the two of them go off together, but I think this was the episode where I just got a little bit annoyed at going off to the side again. I love this episode. <laughs> Are we surprised, listeners? No, we're not. I think this is my favourite episode of the whole series. Okay. So you're calling this one the favourite? Yeah. Okay. Better than the Todd. Better than Jason Todd? Yeah. So, this, I should say, this is not a bad episode. I don't dislike this episode. I very much enjoyed it. I just think that having seen, what, seven episodes up to this point, and being somebody that enjoys an overall story arc that builds towards quite an exciting climax. I think this was the one that kind of broke me slightly and I thought, here we go again. You get that flashback at the beginning, you get to then see Dick leave the other Titans 
behind with Rachel's mum and he goes off to find Donna and I thought we're doing it again we're just dropping the main story and going off to do something else I suppose from our point of view so we blew up the asylum Rachel had her mum it was all a bit like oh you know she's safe now it's time for me to well me as in Dick not me myself to go and you know reevaluate life I've burned the rubber costume I need to find out who I am and what I'm going to be so, yeah no that's fair enough that is fair enough and then we get that nice flashback where him and Donna are in the room you know little Jeff sorry you mean young Dick we have to stop calling him little Jeff well you know if we mention him enough times he might kind of you know make some comment towards it <laughs> Probably not a very nice comment, but you'll still make a comment. So that was really, I really enjoyed that. So again, opening up the universe, bringing in the Justice League, bringing in a bit of Wonder Woman, and then getting to see grown-up Donna and grown-up Dick. So I I think this is the first time we actually got to see him be very Grayson-like. That is very true, actually. So very sort of, almost that kind of cheeky, chappy, Dick Grayson-y... Not so sort of down on himself. Down on himself, depressed. being really dark, being like, I yeah. don't know who I am. Batman doesn't love me anymore. Being more a bit like, okay, I'm back with Donna. It's all like old times. I'm starting to unwind a little bit. So I quite enjoyed that. And I like the relationship between the two of them as well. I was literally just about to say the same thing, which is in that whole American TV trope that no man and no woman can have a purely platonic relationship on screen, there was nothing romantic between the two of them whatsoever. There was no inclination that they've ever had any kind of romantic entanglement, which I thought was quite nice. It was nice to just see them be bros, yeah. as it were. Yeah, and I loved how she kept making fun of them as well. Yeah. Especially you... when she called them Boy Wonder. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same chemistry as Hank and Dawn. But then their relationship is much darker anyway, as we find out in the next episode. (laughs) Was that like a segue? No, well, I'm not finished talking about Donna yet. Okay. Well, I think Connor Leslie was a great casting choice for Donna Troy. She she came off exactly how the character is in any of the comics that I've read. So the only eras of Titans I've read have had Donna Troy in them, I think. Or am I thinking of that other Wonder Girl? There are several. There's quite a few of those Cassie as well. Ah, now I'm thinking of Cassie. Damn it. Sorry, Connor. You were very good in this episode, though. Yeah, no, it's not very good. And then again, it brings it back to the main story arc again, because when she's looking through his phone, she's like, oh, what's this language? Why have you got ancient Sumerian? Yes, although I'm slightly confused as to why Tamaranian is also Sumerian. Are we trying to say that the ancient Sumerians were actually aliens from Tamaran? Well, no, because then she says it's an offshoot of Sumerian. It's not actually Sumerian. Doesn't help me. No. (laughs) Well. Thanks for trying. But then she came up from Themyscira, and then you could probably link it back to like a whole sort of otherworldly... True. Yeah. They're aware of other stuff. There was one moment of really bad CGI in this episode. For me, anyway. Oh, where she jumps over the truck. She jumps over the truck. Yeah. (laughs) And she looks a bit like a rubber doll. Yeah, bless her. What about... Okay, so... What did you think of the scene of awkward... Dick at the photographer. <laughs> Stop laughing every time I say Dick. The scene where Richard Grayson uh, is awkwardly chatted up at the photography exhibit. I really liked that. I thought it was quite funny in that he was trying to be more sort of carefree, but getting that completely wrong and not realizing what's going on around him. <laughs> Just really, really awkward Dick. Yeah, really awkward. Fair enough. It's a yeah. And I loved how Donna was like, oh, you know, just pretend you're on a yacht with Bruce. Yes. He's like, I, get I missed that reference, but I rewatched that scene and I saw that. Yeah, I picked up on that the second time round. Also, for anybody that's wondering, that's a real bear in the episode later on. I was going to say that's really good CGI, but no, it's a real bear. It's a real bear. Uh, Connor Leslie was interviewed on DC Daily, which I realise I keep referencing, but she discussed the fact that that was actually a real bear. There's not a lot to the sort of villain of the week episode. I didn't... Thinking back to it, the whole thing with the bear is really consequential to everything else that happens in this episode. Yeah, I mean, he's not, I mean, it's just like a, I say just, you know, animal export and all that stuff. I think the main theme of this story is Dick finding himself again. And you do see him lighten up a lot in this episode, like you said. So this is like the first step towards the, I guess, more straightforward comic book version of the character. Maybe yeah. a step towards <coughs> Nightwing. And she does, you know, she does say to him, "You can't be a Nightwing, so be something else." Nightwing. 
Yeah, so that obviously be Nightwing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, she, the conversation they have in the car, yeah. where she's like, you can't be Robin anymore, and they kind of allude to him needing to pick a name. Yeah. Right, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so overall, for me, it's going to get all the thumbs in the world, <laughs> because it's my favourite. That, okay. Maybe not all the thumbs in the world, because it's quite a lot, but maybe all the thumbs in the room. I really, I'm surprised that that's your favourite episode. I would have, I would have picked Jason Todd for your favourite episode. I was surprised as well. <laughs> Donna Troy not being in costume. Just going to throw this one in there before I finish up on this episode. Disappointing to not see her in costume. She talks about the fact that she still has the costume, but doesn't wear it. No, but I don't, yeah, I think it doesn't really, it doesn't lend itself to the story at this time. Well, a black leotard. Well, with the, the silver stars as well, you know. But I don't think, you know, she's being Donna Troy. She but she's also the classic lineup of the Titans, right? Yeah. And would I be right in thinking that the classic lineup would be Robin, Donna, Hank, Dawn, and. Raven? Raven, not Starfire. So we're moving towards. Are we moving towards seeing a classic lineup as well as. As well, you see. A more modern one? Yeah, you do see hints of that as well when you look at. So in Donna's apartment, there's a picture of Hank, yeah. Dawn, Donna, and young Bruce, which is young Dick, all together. Which is why I thought that that was the classic lineup. Which is more of a classic lineup. I don't think it's like the original, original lineup. Okay. If you go back to like the new Teen Titans and stuff like that. The Ralph Wolfman. Yeah. George Perez. But it's more of a, a classic lineup of the Titans. Okay. Classical lineup of the Titans. I'm going to have to buy you. Perez and Wolfman Titans for you to read now so that you can inform us all. So, uh, Donna Troy, 6 out of 10 for me, and apparently all the thumbs up in the world for Martin. Which brings us to another episode which I thought was quite frustrating just because we're still ignoring that overall... Well, we, we missed the, like, the total most important part of episode 8 Donna Troy is the ending. When Rachel is ah, trying to help yes. Corey get her memories back and then yes. she gets something back and tries to kill her. Yes. Sorry, so that episode ends with basically Corey at Raven's, sorry, Rachel's throat, right? Yeah. And and then it just ends. And Dick and Corey are on their way, Dick and Corey, sorry, Dick and Donna are on their way to the house, so you get to see the car driving towards them. Yes, sorry, so that does lead me into the next episode. So that ending is a, probably one of the biggest cliffhangers of this whole season. And then you get to episode nine, which is called Hank and Dawn. Oh my goodness. Jesus. Sorry about that. It's okay. It's okay. Nice catch. Seven years of gymnastics, dance, and jiu-jitsu. The system sucks, Hank. We can do this. Hack and Duff. You and your brother. Neighborhood needs help. It's not fair that it wasn't anyone's fault. Why can't we make it fair? It's got a very short synopsis which reads the origin story of Hank Hall and Dawn Granger. So yes, very frustrating, huge, huge cliffhanger where Corey has just regained her memories and then literally we go right back to like the 90s and see the origin of Hank and Dawn. And I, I don't even need to go back and look at my review for this one because I know that I said this was a hugely frustrating episode that completely puts the stoppers on the whole narrative of the season but that is excellent and I gave it a 7 out of 10 because it's a really good episode <laughs> and I can think why you loved it even more based on one guest appearance yeah <laughs> yes would you like so... to tell the, the listeners at home <laughs> so this does this episode has Marina Sirtis Deanna Troy of Star Trek The Next Generation fame as Dawn's mum the most amazing piece of guest casting this series could ever ever have done that she she left us too early, God rest her soul. In the programme, not in life. Not She's still not in, life. in life. She is very much alive and very much awesome. And just go and follow her Twitter for her hilariousness. But I don't know. This it just it did it Titans did it to me again. It just ignored its overall story and made me think that although it has a great set of characters, that the story that they're in is almost secondary to it at this point because there are only two episodes to go after this one and we still haven't heard the name Trigon, we still haven't seen him and there is no sense of urgency to get the story to a massive conclusion. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at the end of Donna Troy, they're like speeding in the car, they've worked out the offshoot of Samaria and wherever it is 
being that this is Corey's mission statement to kill the raven. Yeah. And then she, you know, she almost gets her memories back and then she goes all Corey, gluey, about to fry raven. And then we just jump back sort of 10 years to the 90s. But then I still, as much as that annoyed me, I still really enjoyed the episode because it... Oh, right. this episode is amazing. It covers some really heavy topics because you've got the child abuse that Hank faced as a child, as did his brother. Then you've got the relationship between... The abusive relationship between Dawn's mum and Dawn's stepdad. And it's just... It's really heavy. You get the... then Obviously, you get the van accident that kills off Dawn Hall and uh, Dawn's mum. And from there, it's just really depressing... Yeah, but then it sets these characters up as to what they are because they are quite gritty and dark when we first see them. They've got quite a toxic relationship in that respect, though, because really, as much as they love each other, the two of them just basically beat people up for each other. Yeah, but then you've got to think they've got, you know... They're very codependent. They're very codependent and toxic because they've had very horrible lives and they've had, you know, through all that horribleness, they've had an even more horrible experience of that van. Where did that van come from? Let's throw that out there. Uh, that van came from uh, another slightly dodgy set of CGI, unfortunately. It was just so quick. I was like, she's there, and then she's it squished. Was, it was it was weird. I've watched that scene four or five times over, and it's just, like, <laughs> gone. It's the same poor Donna, De- Deanna Troy. They're all the Troys in this series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, so I still, I still really enjoyed the, the ex- exploration of this really dark moment, and that scene at the end... At the very end, where they're in the so the the coach, the, yeah, the football coach's the football house, coach. and he's like, "Leave me with him. I'm going to finish off." And she's like, "No, I'm going to stay." And that's yeah. where it's really dark and twisty. Yeah, there are, but that's not. Yeah, I suppose it is worth saying that there are still some lighter moments because you do, you can almost sense how much Don and that's Don, not Donna. No, wait, that's Donna Troy. Um, too many D, too many people whose name begins with D in this series. So Don, Hank's brother you get to see quite a lot of almost enjoyment when they put on the costume for the first time and video themselves being all sort of laddish and, yeah, we're vigilantes. There's a lot of bravado to it, but it is quite funny to watch. But then moments like that where where Dawn breaks into the coach's house, it leaves you thinking quite a lot after watching that episode, which is nice because when you think about shows like Arrow and Supergirl, you're not often left thinking very much about what you've watched after the episode. No, you would never see a child abuse storyline on The Flash, would you? Well, you you could, but it would be dealt with in a completely different way, and it would always be in a way that everyone was happy at the end of it and everyone had a happy ending, whereas nobody in this episode has a happy ending. No. But then that's the theme for the series, isn't it? They're all coming from really dark places. It's it's a very depressing hour of TV. We're going to have to go and watch an episode of Teen Titans Go to pick you up. Yeah, it needs. It's sorely lacking in fart jokes. No, that shouldn't make like we shouldn't make light of it because what it does is it does it really puts a focus on how people can be mentally and physically affected by things like child abuse. It's no, it's absolutely no laughing matter. It's just done in a way that makes sure it's still encapsulated in the whole comic book world at the same time. And Alan Richardson plays it incredibly well. I think he is unbelievably good at being really silly when he needs to be and being able to make us laugh but also able to portray somebody who actually just sort of beats people up and drinks a lot to try and forget that he's had a horrible life yeah so I mean I think this is my second favourite episode of the whole series I know I've said that you know so Jason Todd's now been bumped into third place he's way down there now which is interesting because you think so my very so my most favourite episode and my second favourite episode aren't actually in with the whole storyline. These are no, almost like standalone true. episodes. <laughs> but I just you know, it's the relationship between the characters, I think. Yeah, that so like we talked about with episode two, the relationship between uh, Hank and Dawn is just it just is electric on screen. They are two amazing characters. And I do well obviously we get to see that Dawn wakes up at the end of this episode, so we know that she is alive. Um, I do hope they maybe decide to do a spin-off with the two of them or bring them into Titans as more permanent characters towards the end. Yeah, I would watch a spin-off with the two of them. Obviously, Rachel does turn up in this episode a couple of times, screaming for help in the dream sequences, uh, which leads to a very weird end scene where Dawn wakes up 
and wakes Hank up and then says to him, we need to go find some guy called Jason. Yeah, so I don't know, I mean, so we don't really get to see, well, we don't know what Rachel said in their sort of, like a psychic link mind way. So maybe she said, you know, Dick's gone evil, he's really dark, you need to find Jason Todd to ground him back to where he was, or... Is Jason Todd then going to tell Bruce, and is Bruce going to do something about it, but then it takes the focus away? No, you're, you're wrong, because that stuff hasn't happened with Dick yet. We've got Coriander first, before anything happens to him. Oh. He's not in the house yet. So really, all she's screaming is screaming for help. Yeah, so I don't know why I should get asked for Jason. No, that makes no sense. That, But then we also don't know what was going to be in episode 12. So clearly... If she has some idea about what was going to... I actually think we've just uncovered quite a large plot hole. But then I suppose they're not, they're not explicitly say when this episode happens. Well, in the next episode... Well, that's true. That's actually a good point. Does it happen when she's being strangled to death? Is that what she's asking for help? Or is she asking for help... help afterwards. After that? Could well be. Because if she's been like a psychic-y, mind-linky, that could happen any time. Psychic-y, mind-linky? Yes. Very technical terminology. Okay. Noted. Okay, so final thoughts on Hank and Dawn. 7 out of 10 from me and from you. Uh, Two thumbs up for this one. Okay, two thumbs up. Second favourite episode. That leads us on to episode 10, which is called Coriander. It's not named after a herb. It is named after Coriander's and her original Tamaranian name. The synopsis for this episode is Cory's memories have returned and she reveals unexpected answers to Dick and Donna. Rachel tries desperately to save Gar after a sudden illness hits. Corey! You're her. You're getting your memories back. Nothing makes sense. I can't make order to anything. The answer is in here. Bad things happen to people around me. There's nothing wrong with this place. The darkness inside me. The thing that wants to hurt people, except for my father. I'm going to throw to you for your thoughts on this one first. So I quite like this one. So this is, it felt more like we were, we were starting to wrap up and pick up the pace a little bit here because she kind of, she knows who yeah, she definitely. is now. Memories are coming back. We found our spaceship. Uh, we found out that Trigon was our dad and was a big bad and that there was this prophecy that, you know, she was going to be the gateway to him destroying the world. Yeah. We found that book that had the awful drawings in it. You know that you know the, the book that was supposed to be hundreds of years old. Yes, that and then the drawings like were just around from Amazon. Yeah, and then we realised that our mum was actually you know the protect the, the bad guy in all of this and sort of orchestrating the whole thing. And then poor Gar, bless him. What was he actually sick with? Well, I reckon it was from the soup that she made. Ah. But then there's that whole other weird scene where he go, he go, almost gets called into the top bedroom. Yes. And he sees himself, he just in, looks the himself in the mirror. Covered in blood. Yeah. And he sees the throwaway scientist that he killed standing out in the field as well. Yeah. When so he goes out onto the porch. So is that the start of the poisoning or is that just Trigon meddling? Oh, it could be Trigon meddling. So my verdict on this episode was that Coriander is the episode I've been waiting for. Finally, Titans takes the plunge and introduces its villain... With only t- uh, only one episode to go, it's a little late in the game, but finally the momentum I've been hoping for is here. And I've just realised I've made a typo because it says, with only open episode to go. So I'm going to have to fix that one. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. I got really pedantic on my scoring for this episode. <laughs> not a 7, but not quite an 8. I said, when all is said and done, Titan's biggest success of season 1 will be its characters. This episode shows just how far each of the leads has come over the course of the season. It's incredibly rewarding to see them functioning together as a group and in individual pairings, and it really drives home just how far we've come in the space of ten episodes. Yeah, it really feels like we've reached that point where we're ready, we're almost there for the big fight. He's almost going to say Titans go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> he <won't. laughs> well, I think he will say it one day, he's just not quite ready to say it yet. There was a lot that went on in this episode. There were some weird scenes, like with uh, Rachel's mum out in the garden of the house talking to the old school friend... Yeah, which is that sure. moment they just try one last time to make you convinced that she's not evil and flip it on his head when she stabs him and kills him. There's 
What else have we got in this one? Oh, uh, uh, hang on. Lasso of Truth. Yes. I know it's lasso. not It's mm. not the Lasso of Truth. It's a different one. But, you know, there is a very good sequence at the beginning of this episode where Donna breaks in on the fight between Corey and Rachel and whips out a lasso. And, yes, very exciting. I think they, they copied the special effects from Wonder Woman for that one as well. It looked very similar. And then if you think in the car scene when it's so Dick, Donna and Corey... Corey's looking through her bag and she pulls out a black leotard onesie suit. Yes, she does. Is that Donna's costume? Who there knows? is a lot there's a lot of talk on social media about Corey's costumes in this series. Because we don't get to see her in anything near her traditional costume. She's in that disco queen jumpsuit, as you so rightly call it, for most of the series. It's very shiny. But then I suppose you've got to think she's coming from a background where she doesn't have any memories yeah. and she's like this I know. sort of Badass disco queen. It's much like not really seeing Rachel in the purple cloak. Yeah, yet. <laughs> yet. As we know, they did film that, we just don't ever get to see it. I still think it's too late in the game to introduce the big bad, though. I feel like we should have known about Trigon earlier than this. I suppose if you're a comic book fan and familiar with the story... Then you know it then inside you know out, it. don't you? Any mention of our dad, you're like, oh my god, it's him. And maybe that's why this is a... That's how this show is built for a streaming service rather than network TV because anyone watching this, on DC Universe at least, is watching it because they're a huge DC fan and already knows all the intricacies of what's going on in between. So, it's, so yeah, it does lose it slightly if you're looking at this from a Netflix point of view because you're always left what's kind of going on a bit until this point. If you are watching this on Netflix or you have watched it on Netflix, just get in touch because I would be really intrigued to know... If you weren't a huge Titans fan beforehand or a huge Titans comic book fan and you've watched it via kind of the the binge method, whether it still comes across, whether you understand some of the nuances of what's going on in between, I'm suggesting like people who watch it on Netflix don't like DC Comics, but that's not what I mean. I mean, if you don't have that background, I would love to know what worked for you and what didn't. Yeah, because we were coming out, I mean, I'd certainly come out from like a total fanboy point of view. <laughs> It's very true. Which is very, which is a very biased point of view, really. Starfire. Oh, I'm calling her Starfire. This is the first episode where we get to hear that name mentioned as well, isn't it? Because that, that's in the prophecy. Um, we get to see her ship, which I think is one of the best sets they built for this whole series. I think most of it is physical locations. I don't think there were many sets apart from maybe Hank and Dawn's apartment. I guess the inside of the asylum will have been a set as well. I don't think that was a real location. But that's the most kind of... Technological. It's the most obvious, not real location. And I thought they did a good job on the set design. Yeah, no, I really like that. Like the sort of interactive little stand, and then we got to see the three D hologrammy model of Trigon. Yes. Not like it was a bit blurry. I think that was good because we didn't get a true sense of what it will look like. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. It's in the computer. That's in one of the promo shots as well, where you get to see Dick Grayson's face when he's looking through the weird computer monitor, and there's lots of lines over him. They did lots of cast interviews on that set as well, which were in some of the behind-the-scenes sort of snippets from the show. And I remember thinking, I hope that was going to be some kind of Titan space. Like, ooh, like the T-shaped tower. That exists, right? Yeah, well, in the comics it does, I suppose. I don't think we'll get to see that in this live action. <sighs> That's what they need. They need a T-shaped tower. Maybe they'll have a small T to start with. I do remember thinking, watching this episode, that I was now confused as to who the lead characters were. Not in terms of who was the lead of the show, because Dick's obviously been at the forefront of nearly every single episode, but where, when you think back to San Diego Comic-Con when we went to the DC Universe exhibit, the four costumes that were on show were the four leads, I say in air quotes, so the Robin costume, the Raven costume, the Starfire costume, and, and Beast Boy's costume. But at this point, we're kind of saying that actually the leads are those four, and Donna, and Hank, and Dawn, and possibly also Jason as well. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see who actually comes back for the big bad fight. Because I assume, well, Dawn will have to be there because she's already there. Yeah, but Hank and Dawn are possibly on the way with some guy called Jason. Yeah, so it could be like a, a massive Titans fight. Like all the Titans ever? Not ever, but a lot of them. Obviously not Cyborg. I mean, Jason Todd was never a Titan anyway, so... No, which is why... Because he's not like the crowbar. <laughs> Yes, it all comes back to the crowbar. I suppose they thought that he was important to be in the show to show Dick's 
developmental journey, would you say? Yeah, because he needed to realise that, you know, Bruce has moved on, why hasn't he? Yeah, I suppose it does help, yeah, it does signify him moving on by seeing that Bruce has moved on in their their unfortunate breakup. And he never, he still hasn't got a chance to drive the Batmobile. No, no, you just had to remind him of the fact he's never driven the Batmobile. Any final thoughts on this particular episode? Overall, I felt like it really ramped up into overdrive. It was a bit of a shame that, you know, we've had a couple of episodes away from the main storyline that we could have used to develop this a bit further. Yeah, but this sort of definitely. brings us straight back into it really quickly. I'll give it a one thumb. Just a one thumb? Just the one. I still, you know, as with all of them, I still loved it. So I stand by my 7.5. It's not quite a 7, it's not quite an 8. Maybe I'll give it one thumb and a nail. A bit of a weird rating. <laughs> yes, that's a very weird rating. We'll have to think of a system for you going forwards. That brings us to the season finale. Shouldn't have been the season finale originally. We know there was one other episode that was filmed, and there are snippets of that episode in behind-the-scenes featurettes. But, as it was, this episode, episode 11, Dick Grayson, is the last episode of season one. Really, really descriptive uh, synopsis for this episode, which reads... Dick takes a journey back to Gotham. Chase? What's up? What are you doing here? It's Batman. He's in trouble. Gotham's gotten worse. Commissioner Gordon's dead. Batman is going to kill the Joker. You need to come back to Gotham and convince him not to do it. Bruce Wayne's not my responsibility. But he saved you, Dick. What if you're the last person on Earth who can save him? He lost his conscience. He never had a conscience. He's the only hero that Gotham has left. If he goes bad, the city goes down. Bruce! Wait! verdict on Dick Grayson is that it's perhaps not the most fitting end to Titans first season but what it is is a flipping good episode exclamation mark think over the edge from Batman the animated series brought to life and with Dick Grayson as the lead now you're looking puzzled do I need to remind you what over the edge is I feel we just watched this the other day did we we did just watch it didn't we really did we yeah I might have sat you down to watch it it's my favorite one remind me so it's the episode where uh, you don't realise that the whole thing is uh, a vision that's been induced by fear toxin. So Batman and Batgirl go to fight Scarecrow. She gets blasted with fear toxin at some point, And it's a vision that she drops off the roof of the building and dies. So the episode starts with Barbara falling off the roof of the building in Batgirl costume, crashes into the street. Uh, Jim Gordon runs over to her and he, she dies in his arms and he unmasks her and realises that she's Barbara. He then realises that Bruce is Batman and the whole episode then spirals that the police go and rip apart Wayne Manor and everything comes crashing down around Bruce and then they realise that actually it's all just a fear toxin induced vision that Barbara had having been gassed by the Scarecrow. Obviously the Scarecrow is not involved in this episode although many other Batman villains are. But the whole premise that 
everything can come crashing down around Bruce because actually people don't agree with his idea of vigilantism is, I think, a great analogy for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I give you that description and all you can give me is, yeah. I agree with that. It was a very good episode. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it was the right idea to show Batman a little bit more in this episode or do you feel like it was... I don't know. There's a lot that can be said about this episode. It's not a great season finale. No, I mean, it, it feels like it was a, a penultimate episode. But then it was the penultimate episode. We know in terms of filming it was the penultimate episode. But then the cut, yeah. So it doesn't, it, can I, it leaves it at a bit of a, a massive unfinished cliffhanger. Yeah. Which I suppose is good because it's left me wanting more. Oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely, absolutely want more from it. It's just, I think there's a difference between closing the chapter on season one and starting season two with something left over in between and just literally ending. Yeah. It's almost like an incomplete sentence. It is an incomplete sentence, yeah. And my grandma's awful. So for me to pick that up Thanks. is quite impressive. Yeah. The fight scenes as well with Batman. Yeah, so he, he was brutal. Down. Batman was brutal in this episode. It was a shame that we didn't get to see Rachel Ogar in the finale. The only, no. the only reason that Anna Diop as Corey was in this episode was because in this weird future timeline she was uh, an FBI agent. Well, we do see Rachel and Garbett very briefly oh, yeah, we do. in the video. Yeah. Like a, so they're, a Skype they're away at university. FaceTime, yeah. whatever. So I suppose, yeah, they are in it. They're just not part of the main storyline. It just all adds up to the fact that this was only ever meant to be the penultimate episode and not the, not the finale. So you will end up feeling a little bit disappointed by how it ends the season, but it's still very exciting as an episode, which is just typical of this whole season, really, that some of the best moments are the moments that don't add to the main story, because the main story is not yet the main focus of the show, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they pick up Series 2 and where Series 2 will go. Will it be like a, you know, do they resolve the Trigon story early on, or is it going to be eked out? I've got a funny feeling they'll eke him out over a few more episodes and I want to see him in demon form because we only see him in human form in this episode. Yeah, I was a bit like that by that. I was hoping you were going to get full on. I think that was a budget thing. okay. The rumour is that the whole series only cost around £20 to make whereas um, Disney are talking about their Marvel shows for their streaming service costing upwards of $100 million each. So I think as... DC's first attempt at a homegrown product for its own streaming service. It was it was pretty successful as it was. Yeah, and it's an interesting concept to have him in human form anyway, because realistically, he had a baby with a human mum. So true, he had to look human at some point. Either that, or she's got an interesting horn fetish. Yeah, that's a completely different podcast, but I think we'll just draw a line under that one there. Okay, drawing the line under that one. Uh, last shot of the episode before the credits Robin with the cracked up face interesting cliffhanger yeah so I mean he's turned him so he's got that darkness within him and Trigon's manipulated that to to his own will I did think it was clever how the story kept changing in his dream sequence every time he moved towards the light I thought that was a a nice way of showing that actually the character had grown quite a lot from where he was in the pilot that when he tried to resolve himself into a happy ending like leaving Gotham and going back to Dawn and the baby that Trigon had to twist it and try and bring him back to the darkness whereas I think the dick in the pilot episode would have just lent into the darkness rather than away from it you could have done it actually yeah overall I thought it was a really a really good episode from a standalone point of view doesn't really fit Again, like you said, it's you know one of these sort of off from the main storyline, but still almost part of the main storyline. But the fanboy in me really, really loved it because of all the Gothamness. Did the fanboy in you also love the scene after the end credits? It may have done. <laughs> Would you like to talk about that scene for a second before we wrap up Titans season one? It's such a it's such a small scene, really. I mean, you know, didn't have, I don't think it had. To, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes next and how that impacts in series two. So let's start with the levels of excitement for you. So first of all, there's an end credit scene. How excited are you on a 1 to 10 scale? Oh, 8. This is the, the beginning of the scene. Oh, I say 7.5. Then you see the name Cadmus. 8. Then you see that there's someone breaking out of a cell. 12. <laughs> out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> then you see that the person who's broken out of the cell has a uh, House of L logo on their arm as a tattoo. 
What about, you know, we're thinking like an 18, 19? Out of 10. Out of 10, yeah. Right, okay. And uh, then you see a dog that has heat vision. Yeah. That was that was funny. <laughs> that was a nice little nod there. I like that. Is that Crypto? Yeah. That is Crypto the super dog. Are we right? People on the internet will tell us if we're wrong. I think so. I'm not sure. Because that's not the wolf, is it, from Young Justice, the cartoon? No, that's a different dog. different dog. This dog didn't have a red cape. Not yet. <laughs> he needed a cape. I think, yeah. What do you say? It's obviously a tease. I hope he's going to be in season two. I mean, he could break out and he could only be in a few moments of season two. Because we've got to resolve. He's not just going to miraculously turn up where the rest of the Titans are. No. I would. My best guess would be that they're going to resolve Trigon at some point and hear about this other powered human being that's elsewhere in the world that they're going to have to go and find. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, what will happen... How will they resolve Trigon is the biggest question. So what yes. will happen to Rachel? Presumably she will own her power and become Raven. So does he have to get trapped in the gemstone on her forehead? Well, you think... So throughout the whole series, she's had a red gem around her neck? She has. So does that then become the gem on her forehead? I would hope so. And I'm pretty sure she dies, doesn't she, in the original... So in the new Teen Titans run, when they when they originally encounter Trigon, she dies, I think. Does she? And then comes back again. You're looking at me as if I'm going to be able to answer this question, but I've never seen... I've never read it. I haven't read it either. I think... I'm pretty sure she does. And it's that whole... And that's what brings the Titans together, that whole relationship of trying Ooh. to help Rachel with the darkness and then, you know, the outcome of having to... Bringing Trigon here, defeating Trigon, and then losing Rachel, and then she comes back as something else after having, you know, spent some time elsewhere. Elsewhere with some more nuns, some different nuns this time to really hone her powers, get control of her soul self, and then comes back as the Rachel that we know and love in the, the modern day times. Oh, okay. Could correct me if I'm wrong, world of the internet. I could be completely wrong. At Boy Wonder eighty nine on Twitter, if you wish to send him your corrections, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really look at my Twitter if I were you guys, because you probably won't be interested in it in the slightest. But feel free if you're interested in healthcare and pain management. <laughs> Side topic for another day. Yeah. Okay, final thoughts on uh, Dick Grayson. Final episode, eight point five for me. So um, I'm going to give it a solid. I was going to say I'm going to give it eight, but that's going to completely ruin my scoring system of the thumbs. So I'll go back to the two thumbs up. I okay. think it was a good episode all around. It was a good fanboy episode because we got the gothamness, but again, it sort of detracts a little bit from the main storyline and left me wanting more, which is a good thing, I suppose. That brings us to the end of Titans Season 1, episode by episode. So any final thoughts on... Actually, I'm going to cover this by topic. So let's start with casting. What do we think of Brenton Thwaites as Robin? Dick Grayson. Do you know what? I quite liked him. I thought it was good, to be fair with you. I don't really know him from anything else. I know he was in the last Pirates of the Caribbean film, which I've not seen. Yeah, you know I'm not very good with actors' names and stuff. I, I can tell you In fact, I don't really before. think I've seen any of... Apart from Alan Richson, who was actually Aquaman in Smallville, um, I don't really know many of the cast from elsewhere. So Anna Diop, great as Starfire. I thought she was good. Yeah. Um, I loved that moment in the barn when she giggles. It's one of my favourite moments of the series when it's not being too serious. I think all of her moments when she's on her own being badass were amazing. Tegan Croft, a good raven. She's obviously a very young actress, very new actress. I just watched an interview where they mentioned this is only her third acting credit. Which I think maybe not quite a very seasoned actress, but I think she carries off the role quite well. You would never know from watching it. I mean, she does, you know, she stands... Stands up against the rest of them. So. And Ryan Potter as Beast Boy. I don't think we get to see enough of him at all across the season. I don't think he has all that much screen time. No, I mean it's a bit of a shame really because he's he does really he plays a really damn good Beast Boy. And I love that scene back in episode six, Jason Todd, where he got so excited about there being two Robins, and then he asked, "Can I be a Robin?" Yes. Because you know he's kind of he campaigned really hard to be a Robin at one point. Did he? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So I thought that was a nice little nod, a nod. And a joke to that. I think CGI, there's not a huge amount of it across the whole show, but what we do get is okay. It's a bit patchy at times, like the whole Donna jumping across a truck being a little bit wrong. Yeah, that wasn't great, but I mean, the whole Beast Boy Tiger... Is Works for me. For a green tiger, it's pretty good. Yeah. 
I don't think I don't think we see enough of it to see either way what the show is able to do in terms of CGI. And it, now that it's got the Netflix deal, it may get a bigger budget for the next season anyway. So I think what we had was fine for TV viewing. Yeah. I mean, all the Rachel stuff was amazing and well done. Yeah, I think when it counts, it works. I don't know what my favourite episode is. I think I'd probably say Jason Todd. That was the one that I scored the highest. So it was still Donatoy for me, favourite episode. Anything else that you feel the people at home need to know? Before they watch Titans if they've not seen it, or that you would like as a final thought on the series? I think, you know what, just watch it, because you'll make up your own opinion. You'll probably dis- you may disagree with everything that we said, and, you know, that's fine. Cause... How do you think it compares to the movies? Oh, that's controversial, isn't it? I think I prefer this. Fair enough. Purely because it ticks all of my fanboyness <laughs> not because the movies are bad just because it you know it portrays characters that I've always wanted to see in live action that I've never had a chance to see before that's very true how do you think it compares to the cartoons I don't think it can compare to the cartoons because they're completely different you just yeah they're just you know the Teen Titans Go is a children's cartoon yeah Young Justice is a comic series in its own right anyway with different with a different team different Robins whereas Titans is, is its own thing yeah completely go and watch it on Netflix or whichever platform you want to see it on and let us know which what was your favourite episode in people, your opinion people can't watch DC Universe in the UK it doesn't exist remember but people may be listening to this from all over the world this is very true this is very true so yeah remember Titans is available only on DC Universe in uh, North America and in the rest of the world is available on Netflix so if you want to read all of my reviews on Titans Season 1, you can find them on the website at getyourcomicon.co.uk. If you want to join in any discussion about the show, then we are on Twitter and Instagram, also at getyourcomicon.co.uk. If you want to find me and tell me that you don't agree with anything that I've said about the show or that you think I was spot on, then you can find me at Neil Vag on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, same for me, you can find me on Instagram at boywonder89. You're probably reason why I'm a massive fan of the Robins. And you can also find me on Twitter again at boywonder89. But spoiler alert, I don't talk a huge amount about comics on my Twitter account. Mainly nursing and healthcare. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening. If you've got any ideas for future topics for podcasts or things you would like us to talk about, then uh, hit us up on social media and let us know. Otherwise, we will see you next time, super friends. Bye! Bye.